0: Right, Scott, you're listening to Couch Lock.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to another, I don't know, I don't want to call it episode... Just welcome to Couch Lock here on uh, Flix Anonymous. You can find us on Facebook at Flix Anonymous and on Twitter at Flix Anon. And first off, i got to give a shout-out to uh, Nathan Dandy. That's the music you're hearing right now that's just fading away. That's a song called She Bleeds, He Feeds. And Nathan Dandy is a fantastic Canadian uh, producer, artist, and uh, you can find his stuff on SoundCloud. That's Nathan Dandy, and uh, just some fantastic stuff. Love his synth work as well, uh, and really digging this song, She Bleeds, He Feeds. So normally, I'm doing a podcast like this, at least on Flix Anonymous anyways, with uh, my partner in crime, Steve Stebbing. But uh, we're doing something a little bit different this time around. Um, Now, in case you don't know, and probably most of you don't, I, I write for a website called The Daily Hive. I'm their film critic. And I got this great opportunity to interview a fantastic Canadian director. His name is Denis Villeneuve. Now, you're probably wondering, who? Who's that? Well, he's directed some fantastic films uh, like Prisoners uh, with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, He did another little film called Sicario, which was nominated for three Academy Awards. No, no big deal. No big deal. And uh, he has a new film out. Uh, ...that's getting rave reviews. It's a sci-fi masterpiece. I absolutely loved it. And it's called Arrival. Many of you have probably heard it, seen the, uh, the advertisements on TV. Uh, getting amazing reviews right now. I actually gave it uh, 5 out of 5 on the Daily Hive. And uh, it's essentially going to be one of my f- most favorite films of, uh, of the year... And so I had a chance to sit down. He called me. Uh, He's actually overseas right now filming the sequel to Blade Runner, believe it or not. Yeah, Blade Runner 2049. And uh, so he was able to put some time aside to uh, talk to little old me. And uh, we got right into it. Uh, I immediately asked him, how does a guy from a small town, like it's a village, okay, in Quebec, all of a sudden become this big Hollywood director what got him in to film
0: like very early I was uh, attracted to the job of director like uh, uh, like in my childhood because I was someone that uh, I was a dreamer I was very the, the I would try to make a short answer okay it's just that I was very bad at sport I was the worst <laughs> hockey player in Canada so when you bad at hockey where I was coming from you were nothing, <laughs> and I, I was like, and and I had the, I was really a, a daydreamer, and uh, since uh, as long as I remember, I, I like telling stories. I, I I really loved. I thought I would be a writer at the beginning, and then uh, I started to uh, um, being amazed by uh, uh, movie making, and and specifically by the director. I was coming from a small town in in Quebec, and and uh, there was like at that. Where we were mostly, it was like American movies mm-hmm. where that were in the theaters, and uh, there was one man that was making movies that itself different, and and, and I, I understood that it was different, but because there was a different director behind, him. and that man was Steven Spielberg, and 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 by I became a huge fan of his work, and he, he, and uh, I uh, watched documentaries, so and I like early uh, like. 12 something years old, 13 years old, I was like starting to be fascinated with that discipline. Yeah. M- movie making being a film director. And uh, after that, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a passion that grows and grows through their years, discovering Europe and cinema and uh, all the cinematography in the world.
1: Hmm. That's so fascinating because I think, I think Steven Spielberg inspired a lot of people. Um, So did you do what he did at a young age? Did you, you know, pick up a camera and start making, you know, home movies and, you know, directing kids all over your neighborhood and and doing these big major motion pictures (laughs) throughout Quebec?
0: I did some, but at that time, uh, it was like, uh, it, it wasn't easy, easy, easy as today. Today, you can make, a, it's fantastic, because today, <laughs> someone that wants to make, you can make a movie with your iPhone, and you can edit it with your computer. When I was young, it was a bit uh, more difficult. It was like you you had to use 8 a, a, a millimeters or 15 millimeters uh, film. Yeah. It was expensive. It was a process. Um, I will say that uh, uh, I did some short films as a youngster, yeah. and not very successful. I made mostly animated movies. Um, that, like, uh, uh, I will say that um, I, I, it was later that I had the chance. I was more in theory. I was drawing storyboards, writing screenplays. It was more when I, I, I went to university that I had a chance to work with a camera for uh, for real, 16 millimeter camera.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you fell in love with film at a very, very young age. You were talking about how, you know, a lot of the movie theaters back in the day were showing westerns, but you know, you fell in love with the sci-fi's, like the Steven Spielberg films. What are some of the other films that inspired you um, growing up? But what are some of the what are some of the movies that you absolutely loved and you knew, you know, right away is that you wanted to be a storyteller?
0: My, one of my oldest memories uh, as a kid with the film. 2001 A Space Odyssey. I still vividly remember seeing uh, some scenes uh, uh, hidden in the stairway. You no, know, trying to watch it because it was too late at night. And uh, it's it just I just vividly remember that it's one of the my oldest oldest memory. Is 2001 A Space Odyssey. And now well, I remember that watching this movie, it was just like uh, an mm-hmm. elegance and uh, and. Uh, and purity, and, and um, a strong feeling of vertigo. Something that you feel that you are in contact with the unknown. Something that your brain was not able to process and, and to explain. I'm still trying to understand 2001, Space Odyssey, after 35 years. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. It's a, the best movie of all time for me. And it's like um, that kind of vertigo, that kind of a, of a puzzle, uh I always attracted, attracted attracted me and uh and uh, after that came, I was born in that uh, era where there was that wave of fantastic sci-fi movies that came out in the same time like the first two star wars blade runner alien all those movies that came out uh and were Pretty strong sci fi movies Close Encounter of the Third Kind. It was like a strong era the, the end of the 70s and the beginning of the 80s where uh, it was a genre, genre, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that in English, genre, genre, the, yep. the sci fi uh, genre. Genre, was yeah. Like a, yep. an explosion extol- of, of this uh, genre. Yeah.
1: Oh, completely agree. I th- Honestly, I think the 70s and 80s were sort of the golden era of not only just sci- science fiction, but horror films as well. And then maybe that's just nostalgia talking, but uh, that period of time produced some some fantastic films.
0: But, but before that, I must say that I was like also very uh, uh, into comic books coming out of Europe, where a lot of authors there, like Bilal, Moebius, Mézières, Franken, were like strong sci-fi. Uh, out there that were doing those comic strips with a strong uh, universe uh, that really influenced me
1: I have never heard of any of those comic books but uh, it's funny though there's so much great storytelling in graphic novels and comics Um, and so here's my feeble attempt at a segue here (laughs) what about Arrival that's uh, actually based on a short story Um, but when did you get the idea to put this story onto screen, did Paramount approach you or did you go to them and say, Hey, I want to do this. Uh, How did Arrival come into being?
0: First, I was, since years, I was looking for a great sci-fi story, Mm -hmm. something that will have death, that will be meaningful, that will be fresh, that will look new, that will not seem like something I've seen before. And, and uh, all those elements were in the short story, story of your life, Written by Ted Chang. Yep. Very powerful, moving, beautiful, poetic short story. And uh, that uh, I felt that there was a potential there to make a very powerful movie, if, uh, but uh, with a lot of work because the adaptation, uh, I felt right from the start, would be very uh, difficult to do because it's, uh, the short story is really intellectual and about the process and uh, with, without a real dramatic structure. And uh, it was a long journey to uh, achieve this with Eric Eisner, the, the screenwriter. Until uh, the, uh, the movie evolved a lot uh, until the end, it, it was really a long process.
1: There were many things about uh, Arrival that I absolutely loved: um, the music score, the cinematography, um, Amy Adams' performance, Jeremy Renner. Um, but Amy Adams really stood out for me. Uh, the CGI. Totally understated, and I think one of the stars uh, of the, your film was actually the alien aircraft. Um, it was very ominous looking. It was, you know, just above the ground, like hovering. Uh, you know, it was very mysterious. Now, did you pull that out of the description out of the book, or was that a design that uh, you came up with uh, on your own? The
0: the it was the way it was described the screen was wasn't that it wasn't that shape at all. And me, I was thinking that I was looking for a specific emotion, an emotion that I felt when I was reading those sci-fi comic strips when I was a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. a feeling of of unknown, a fear of unknown, uh, uh, like a little terror of the unknown, you know. It's like something that uh, I was... uh, And the idea came out of uh, a research I made Mm -hmm. in the solar system right now. There's like a necessary... A kind of little planet that has that shape, it shape like that. Mm-hmm. That it's the name of this uh, uh, in French was said car, sinist, It means it's like it's not a planet, it's not an asteroid. It's an in between, you know. It's a huge thing floating in the space. It, it, its name is Omea. H a u m e a Omea. Oh. It's a really strange thing that is in orbit around the and has that kind of ovaloid. Very, and I thought very frightening shape, and uh, I uh, I based the spaceship on that.
1: Interesting, Humia, I think that's how you say it. I'm, a- I'm actually looking it up right now. It's a dwarf planet, and you're, yeah, you're right, it's just floating around. It's this oval shape looking planet, <laughs> if you can call it that. I can see, uh, I can see where you got the inspiration from.
0: The color, the texture, the, the it was, a, and it's different because the hour is like a bend like a bandana. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what image but It's like it does a curve that was going, it went through a long design process to find the perfect shape. But I must say I'm deeply in love with the shape of our uh, spaceship.
1: Well, you should be proud of it. Um, I think that the design of the spacecraft alone brought sort of this sense of realism uh, to the film. And I had mentioned earlier, one of the other things that I really appreciated Um, outside of the cinematography as well, was the musical score. Now, Johan Johansson is somebody you've worked with uh, for a very long time on on many of your films. What is the process that both of you go through uh, to make such amazing music uh, for your projects?
0: The thing is that uh, from the start, Johan came on board very early on, on arrival. I mean, early, like, he, he read the screenplay and right away wrote some pieces. Uh, I, as I was uh, I, just in pre-production, I received already a piece of the score, and I shot the movie listening to his music, and uh, not all of it, but a piece of it, and uh, that I felt was absolutely fantastic. And uh, then it was a long process. It, the, the key for me uh, is to bring Johan as soon as possible in the process. Johan hmm. doesn't compose the music in the last two weeks of the. Post-production, he can pause as I'm shooting the movie, as I'm editing the movie. Uh, we are. I'm doing the same with him right now. Where I'm shooting, and he's sending me a uh, music. Uh, then I will uh, uh, edit the movie without music at all, and then apply his music and re-edit the movie with his music. And uh, it's like a kind of back. Like it's a dance between him, him and me. So it, uh, his music is not uh, applied on my film. His music is a, a, a married. It's like a marriage. Yep, married between, yep. The, um, between the, uh, the image and the music from the start. It's really like both are growing together.
1: Another person you have a uh, long-standing relationship with is cinematographer Roger Deakins. He's worked on many of your films, uh, but didn't join you for Arrival. Instead, uh, you went with Bradford Young, who uh, was the DP on Selma. Uh, what was the reason for this change?
0: No, it's just it that uh, that, uh, that the Roger wasn't available. Roger, I uh, really loved the arrival completely, but he wasn't available for uh, on that summer for to shoot. Yeah, and so I went to, to find the uh, kind of the uh, opposite spirit. Uh, I uh, I was uh, amazed by uh, uh, Bradford's uh, work on then Body Saint. Mm-hmm. I felt he had the very strong sensibility of uh, and, uh, a very I felt that it was really founding a strength in naturalism and I wanted the movie to feel as, uh, as a kind of sensuality of, a, of nature in it that, uh, and, uh, and a cinematographer that would not be afraid to bring uh, uh, kind of to keep some naturalism even when we uh, we were in contact with the something coming out of space I think that the more We will make the light and uh, feel real without artifacts. The the stronger the movie will be, and and, uh, and, uh, um, the idea was to shoot like if those events would happen in a bad Tuesday morning where the light is not beautiful and and, uh, it's just. And Bradford totally embraced that idea, and which and brought a lot of strength into it. I wanted a cinematographer so that would be sensible, that will have the disponibility, the, 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 the flexibility to follow a child, and uh, that will, to capture some things that uh, belong to the essence of childhood, that is very delicate and fragile, and for that, I needed someone that would be very flexible, and I was really, uh, I really deeply love working with Bradford, and I, I hope I will have the chance to work with him again. I want to work with Brad for in the future.
1: Well, as you said, you and Roger Deakins are back together, and you're currently working on the sequel to Blade Runner. <laughs> Blade Runner 2049. I, I have to ask you, what kind of pressure are you feeling to be at the helm and to make a sequel to one of the greatest science fiction films really ever made?
0: had the pressure for two years before starting shooting because the thing is that it's one of my favorite movie and it's like a masterpiece. I'm not a Scott. and it's like uh, um, it's something that is very it's a, a insane challenge to try to do that. Uh, but that's the what the beauty of it too is that it's 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 the chance. Chances of success are very small. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love. I love how risky or insane it is as a, as as a as a an, an idea. And then from there, once you accept that, once you you uh, you uh, went through the, the the anxiety and the fear. At at the end of that, there's a, there's a lot of joy because. I'm in front of uh, playing with with um, ideas, playing with characters, playing with a world that I love so much. And right now, I feel free. I, I don't have the choice. I just have to have uh, have, uh, have fun doing it. It's the only way. I mean, uh, and uh, and uh, everybody, the level of commitment on the crew and actors is uh, is very impressive. People are all aware. Uh, of that, uh, that, that challenge that, that it represents, uh, everybody uh, wants to honor that privilege. We are trying to do something that is very difficult to do, and yeah. uh, we are we are having a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I can probably speak for a lot of people who are listening to this right now that we cannot wait to see your vision of a Blade Runner. Um, I think it's gonna be can't, it's gonna be great. I can't wait till next year. Final question for you before we wrap this all up. And like we mentioned at the top of the show here, you come from very humble beginnings, a small town in Quebec, and here you are directing big-budget Hollywood films. So for aspiring filmmakers and, and young directors who you know want to get to your level of success, what kind of advice would you give them? How does one become the next Denis Villeneuve?
0: You know, I think that first of all, it's not follow my footsteps. <laughs> the first rule is to try to find, it's always about finding your own voice. And to find your own voice is to try to not do like other people and to be defiant with rules and to take a camera, it can be your iPhone, and to try to shoot reality the way you feel it yourself, not to try to imitate. And that's that's uh, the best advice I can give because I found I think I found my voice as a filmmaker as I was doing small documentary documentaries when I was alone with a video camera. That's where, alone with a video camera, shooting reality, I find my way. So that I would say that in, uh, that's to to, uh, to uh, that would be my advice to. Uh, to find your own voice by uh, shifting things not listening to
1: other people <laughs> yeah yeah, that is uh, some great advice and Denny I really appreciate your time and uh, I was very stoked about interviewing you so this is this has been great and I really appreciate you coming on Couch Lock and uh, doing this with us today and good luck in your future endeavors and uh, thanks again for giving us Arrival such a terrific film and uh, good luck with uh, Blade Runner
0: thank you very much it was a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Wow, I, uh, I really enjoyed that conversation with Canadian director Denny Villeneuve. How cool is that, eh? Good Canadian kid, Don Cherry, going Don Cherry here. Good Canadian kid from Quebec, Canada, doing big, big things in Hollywood right now. Go check out Arrival, by the way, if you haven't seen it. A very, very good film. And uh, Blade Runner, the sequel to Blade Runner 2049, coming out next year. Can't wait. Well, I want to thank Danny Villeneuve. I want to thank The Daily Hive uh, for helping me get access to such a prominent director. And I want to thank you, the listener, for uh, giving Couchlock a chance. It's a free-form podcast uh, brought to you by Flix Anonymous. Find us on Facebook at Flix Anonymous and on Twitter at Flix Anon. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the flip side.